would you like a brand new BMW for the holidays? Paul Lambert, CEO and president of the BMW Dallas Marathon, joins us to talk about all the activities lined up for the 50th anniversary celebration and how you could run away with the top prize. Also, Grant Moise, president and publisher of the Dallas Morning News, joins us to talk about how the pandemic and the Cowboys have impacted readership. And if you're looking for something to do in Dallas, the Dallasites 101 have got you covered. Co-founder Lily Kramlich-Taylor joins us to talk about how a hobby turned into a profitable business. So let's drop the mic and let's go. Welcome to the Mic Drop, everyone. I'm Angela Lang from Tony Faye Public Relations, filling in for Sully this week. As always, we're joined by Monica Paul, the executive director of the Dallas Sports Commission, and Marcus Carr, also repping for the Tony Faye PR team. Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Mic Drop podcast. So we are at episode 35. So representing the 35 number, Rangers, Pitchers, Cole, Hamels, and Lance Lynn both wore number 35. And most notably, the Dallas Wings number one draft pick from Monica, your University of Texas. <laughs> Got them hook em horns in the air. Charlie Collier wears number 35. And so as we're talking about UT, it was quite a game at the Cotton Bowl this weekend. As I was watching, and I knew I would probably be co-hosting with you, Monica, I was really pulling for UT because I knew you would have a different energy if they were to win <laughs> and they looked so good for most of the game. Um, so it didn't quite turn out how the Longhorns. Stop Angela. Stop. Okay, You're going to make me cry here. I don't, don't okay. want to make you cry. It still hurts. I know you have people been talking to you about it all week. No, absolutely not. Uh, they know to stay away. Just not mention it. I'm like that game has been like, uh, that's like three weeks away or three weeks ago. And quite frankly, I'm to the point of, okay, it's 361 days to the next one. Now, uh, but it was painful. No one texted me. No one called me on Saturday uh, afternoon. Um, obviously very excited about it, uh, watching it. And I just had this feeling at about halftime that uh, I, I had to go divert my attention to something else. And then I came back for the fourth quarter. So uh, very disappointed that we didn't win. But actually, uh, you know, those were two great teams there. A great uh, a great opportunity for for the state fair and quite honestly a big win for for dallas uh, that that red river showdown is very important to the city um the economic impact that it brings and over 32 million annually each year uh and i think an important time for for us for the city for the state fair for the fans that generally that's a tradition you know to come to dallas every year uh with with a pandemic and it being at 25 percent capacity last last season you know, that's $9 million economic impact. And at that time, that was great, too, just to be able to have some competition. But um, great to see a great uh, game between Texas and OU. Uh, and I'll add, threw a little salt in the wound uh, later on that night. I mean, it was a fantastic uh, college football weekend. Uh, I'll give it that. Uh, there's been a lot of chatter about the great games that were going on and the different rivalries. But uh, And I'm, I guess happy for for A&M that they beat Alabama and, and knocked them off but you know I grew up 25 miles outside of uh, College Station and I I'm a Longhorn fan you know well to death really um but uh 
to see the Aggies pull that out. That that was special too, but kind of a little salt in the wound. There. Yeah, it was. That, <laughs> that's the way to top off that day, right? After you, I mean, you're leading. OU comes back. Yep. And then you see what happened in College Station. So, well, the great thing about college football is that any week, anything can happen, and you got to feel good about how Sarkeesian has the, the, the team on the right track, the Texans, yep. uh, the Longhorns on the right track. So, um, and as you mentioned, the economic impact always bringing that silver lining uh, to our area. Our mic drop moment uh, this week features uh, FC Dallas homegrown player Ricardo Pepe. He checks in at number one on the MLS's 22 under 22 list. Monica Pepe has expressed how much it would mean to bring a World Cup back to North Texas. How are the FIFA meetings developing at this point and from the Dallas Sports Commission standpoint? Oh, well, we're very busy on the on the FIFA side, but I've got to talk about Pepe a little bit. Um, I had the opportunity to be in Austin last week to be at the match uh, USA versus Jamaica where Pepe is the one who scored both of the goals to, to ensure that USA won. Uh, we were actually there with FC Dallas representation and Dan Hunt. So that was a very exciting atmosphere, the passion, the excitement. Uh, their new stadium there in Austin is is magnificent and they've got a great following. But uh, just to be there and I, I, that – that match in itself, I think, put Pepe on a on a whole different stage. So happy that you know that's one one reason that's so important is he's a FC Dallas homegrown athlete. So they very proud of their homegrown athlete program, and for him to be at that level and continue to start now uh, for for USA, they just just beat Costa Rica uh, yesterday. He didn't score, but he was out there on the field. So uh, that's exciting and. You know, we would definitely love to see uh, a homegrown athlete in the in the World Cup in 2026 when we're hosting. In terms of where we're in planning, uh, that's uh, that's 24/7 right now. So uh, we're uh, down, you know, minute by minute. Uh, FIFA will be here in town October 22nd to 24, uh, checking out all of our stadiums and uh, <clears throat> training facilities. So excited to show them why Dallas, why North Texas should be that host, why we should be considered for a final or a semifinal. Uh, the International Broadcast Center will have them out at uh, Fair Park uh, to show them all around there. Different Fan Fest options from Sundance Square and Fort Worth to Texas Live and Entertainment District. And Well, the new uh, development and, and release earlier this week from Arlington about their convention center and their new uh, 888, uh, the Ocho uh, Hotel, which will be another Lowe's property out there, uh, as well as FanFest uh, out at uh, at Fair Park. So a lot of moving pieces. Uh, probably next week's shows will have a little bit more details on, on what to come. It's, it's still a moving target to some degree. Yeah, so if you see a couple more gray hairs popping out of the... <laughs> you know, I, I was going to say... say, Monica, it's, it's, your team is doing so much to really showcase <laughs> what North Texas has to offer, but it's, it's, it's a big job putting together a bid like you this. You know, you say gray hair. I looked in the mirror this morning, and I'm like, man, I don't think I even have time on my schedule to go get the... The roots colored, you know, so uh, I, I may be going out in fashion and they're like, OK, this old lady over here uh, is going to be on this site visit. We don't uh, not sure what she's going to be doing in 2026, but uh, we're going to give it our best shot. And yeah, I have to commend my team there. Uh, we've got a lot going on, not just with uh, the, the FIFA World Cup visit, but, uh, you know, we're hosting WrestleMania in, in 2022. Uh, there's going to be some exciting announcements coming out early November uh, there. We've got Women's Final Four uh, 2023 that we're already starting the planning process on. 
and uh, we were going to have some logo unveil and some other you know public facing things that we can share with our community and start to get people involved and excited for 2023 so a lot of different things going on but i, I assure you that uh fifa and world cup is uh front and center uh fc dallas is th- their team is really leaning in into the the planning of it and dan hunt is our chair has been fantastic obviously the the cowboys and um and their entire AT&T Stadium staff. You've got we've got state officials. Uh, we were just up in Austin. That's one of the reasons we were in Austin last week was to meet with some of our state officials and uh, also programming and to ensure that we're in line uh, for what we're going to be talking to FIFA about uh, ne- next weekend in in our meetings. So a lot of things in motion and a lot of people uh, very supportive of what we're doing. Yeah, I think just listening to you talk about all the people that are involved gives folks a really good grasp of how big this is and how big it'll be uh, for North Texas if we secure the the World Cup. So, Monica, believe me, I've got plenty of grays. I wear them with pride. Um, and you look fabulous. So <laughs> you'll be you'll be looking great for the FIFA folks when they're here in a couple of weeks. And we will be right back. We are going to be joined by Paul Lambert, CEO and president of BMW Dallas Marathon. But right now we're going to send it over to Rachel. Did you know the Dallas Zoo provides guests with real-life opportunities to make memorable connections with more than 2,000 animals? Please support the zoo's mission to inspire and empower action on behalf of the wildlife in Texas and around the world. Visit DallasZoo.com to purchase your tickets today. Welcome back, and we are pleased to have with us this morning Paul Lambert, who is president of the BMW Dallas Marathon, CEO and president. Let me get your full title in there. You earned that, right? Uh, This is scheduled for December uh, 10th through 12th this year um, after a couple of delays. So excited that this is on and going, and Paul's been in this role uh, for five years. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Angela and Monica. Well, Paul, uh, we had a, a exciting, I think, announcement uh, yesterday over with uh, Mayor Eric Johnson, and he has dedicated uh, December 12th as Dallas Marathon Day. Uh, we were just kind of chatting er- earlier before the show about the importance of the Dallas Marathon for, to the Dallas community, the over $12 million in economic impact that it, that it brings to the city. Give our listeners some, you know, idea of, hey, it's not just a a marathon for the elite and professional runners. There's a lot of other opportunities out there, correct? Yes, Monica. And uh, what we've done over the last two or three years is we've really tried to develop uh, the weekend so we have an event for every member of the family to participate in. And so while the the name marathon may entail that the majority of runners are serious runners and running the marathon, The fact of the matter is uh, we'll have over 20,000 runners and walkers this year and about maybe 10% will be serious runners and 90% will be doing it for many, many reasons, personal reasons, um, whether it's for family members. Also, uh, a lot of folks have gone through a lot during this pandemic and exercise is a tremendous way uh, for one, if you will, to come back to life. Uh, so we have a variety of events, everything from the one-mile runs, the 5K, 10Ks, uh, then the, the, the marathon and some relays and so forth. And then probably my favorite part of the weekend is the kids' races. And the more we can do to get kids involved in physical activity, the better. 
And so Encore has been a tremendous partner. We'll be hosting the Encore Kids Races on Saturday morning and marathon weekend. The last time we were able to, to host the Encore Kids Race, we had over 10,000 kids participate. And they all wore blue shirts, and it was like a sea of blue coming down uh, Market Street. So, hey, we're pumped and a lot of different activities. And again, uh, all members of the family, we have something that you can participate in. Last but not least, um, volunteering is also a great way to participate. And, and we need over 2,000 volunteers to put on not only a good show uh, for the citizens of Dallas, of which about 70% of our runners come from Dallas, but we'll have runners from all 50 states and over 10 countries this year. So it's a great way to help showcase the city. So, Paul, this is a big uh, year, though, correct? Uh, I think we're at a 50th anniversary. I, I think technically it was supposed to be this past December, December 2020. But uh, due to COVID, you had to postpone and, you know, thought we may have a race in, in May and then uh, kind of postponed and actually officially celebrating the 50th anniversary this year. Uh, due to COVID, um, you know, what, you know, obviously COVID had an impact on, on your business and running in general, but you just mentioned people, you know, actually maybe got out more and ran. Yeah. So tell us anything different from a 50th anniversary celebration and what you might've learned through yeah. that process. You know, first I'll start off just a little bit on the running industry. Um, like many industries, this pandemic has had a significant impact. And uh, surveys will show about 75% of running races in the USA most likely have gone out of business due to the pandemic and so forth. So we were very fortunate to have a strong foundation here and just really solid business partnerships. Uh, we're very fortunate, BMW, uh, the five dealerships of Dallas-Fort Worth are our title sponsor. And this is an eight-year title sponsorship, which is really unheard of in the running industry. So through their tremendous support, uh, we as an organization were able to work through the pandemic and provide along the way our runners opportunities to, to run virtually, if that's what they so choose to, or quite frankly, continue to hold on to their registration for December. So we're pumped about the 50th. We wanted to do the 50th in the fashion that it deserves to be hosted. And that is, we didn't want to have all the runners come across the finish line and then immediately say, here's your bag, you need to disband. Uh, we believe in creating really a, an experience. An experience starts from the expo when you come, and then it's pre-wrap, pre-race, and the, the music and the large video boards we have. Uh, we're right in the process of doing our 60-second countdown sizzle video, and we'll show it on a 32-foot jumbotron screen to get everybody pumped. Um, we're developing the pyro plan and so forth. So uh, we're excited to host the 50th the way it should be to represent the city of Dallas appropriately, the international brand of BMW appropriately, and the world-class service that the Scottish Rite Children's Hospital provides. Well, you just brought up a, a really good point. Uh, Scottish Rite, you've had a partnership with them for, for many, many years, and you're, you're celebrating your 50th anniversary, and I learned yesterday that Scottish Rite is uh, celebrating 100 years, which is a, a magnificent feat uh, there. But, you know, as so many of our legacy sports events, uh, annual events, really believe in giving back uh, to the community, and, and, and I think that's a very important uh, part of events and 
uh, just living in your community. Can you tell us a little bit about Scottish Rite for Children and, and what that partnership entails? Yeah, it's been, Monica, a super partnership. Uh, Bob Walker, President CEO uh, of the hospital, number one, has been an avid runner for years. Um, but I'll tell you, uh, what I've always admired about Scottish Rite for Children is I have a Disney background, and, and I'll always tell Bob, when I walk through the front door of the Scottish Rite for Children, it reminds me of my Disney days when you would walk through the door of the Grand Floridian Resort Hotel, a five-star hotel. The guest service that they provide, number one, for their patients, number two, the families, but number three, any visitor that comes through that door is very welcoming. And if you have a chance, uh, not now during this stage, but a little later on, have a chance to go down to the hospital, you'll see they've themed it all out. It's so children-friendly and so forth. Now we'll get to the work they do. Uh, they do just tremendous work with youth on some really major challenging surgeries. A lot of them have to do with spinal cord situations and so forth. And the work they do is incredible. Uh, I was very pleased that two years ago they opened up a second location in Frisco that's really targeted at youth athletics. Um, again, I would encourage everybody, if you have a chance to go there, they have a state-of-the-art facility that works on how to prevent youth injuries. And so the work they're doing uh, looking ahead is just tremendous. And so we're very proud to have the partnership. Uh, we've generated over $4 million for them in funding. More importantly, we've given them um, a little bit more of um, uh, exposure to the Dallas marketplace and so forth. And I'll close with this. I love having the children. We have a junior race director every year. They'll, they'll be my, by my side uh, along the weekend. I used to coach youth basketball for 20 years. I love hanging around kids and youth. And so uh, I've, I'm looking forward to uh, spending time with Jaden, who is our um, junior race director this year. That's awesome. And, you know, I, I love all the things you're doing for families, for kids. Really important to get our young people moving. You talked about Disney. Uh, spending 18 years there as the director of sports uh, for ESPN and Disney's Wild World of Sports. I, I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what you learned through that experience and what you've brought from there to Dallas to create the, the great brand that is uh, the Dallas Marathon. Angela, yes. I, uh, I loved working for, for Disney. When I took the role there, it really wasn't to work for Disney. Uh, we were developing a new business called uh, Disney's Wild World of Sports. And we had a real keen focus on how do we develop an authentic youth sports complex. So some of the learnings I took from that is, is number one, Disney does a great job in developing a brand and defending the brand on how to differentiate your product. Uh, but what I really took from that experience is we were very fortunate. We hosted over 300,000 athletes a year. The majority of them were youth sports. And again, uh, the primary reason I took the role to oversee business and so forth was because I do love youth sports, and I believe it plays such a big role in what it does for kids and growing up and so forth. And um, so really very similar to what Monica does for the city of Dallas, we were essentially the sports commission for the city of Disney. And uh, we so... We, I enjoyed that immensely. The key learnings that I took away from there is if you're going to put on an event, put it on at a world-class level. 
And it doesn't matter whether there's one participant that comes or 25,000 participants to come. We are going to put on a good show and a good experience. And so I really tried to bring that to Dallas. Uh, the second thing is diversity of thought. Is We're not putting on a running race here in Dallas. We are creating experiences. And at the end of the day, we want people to have a great time. And, then, and once they're done with the weekend, we want them to think back fondly about, oh, what about the, that start in the pyro? What about the entertainment on the course? Oh, I love the theming of the medals. And all we simply want them to do is say, that was fun. I want to do it again. And if there's any company that knows how to do that, it's the Walt Disney World Company. That was fun. I want to do it again. And that's what I've tried to bring here to Dallas. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that about the experiences. We were talking a little bit before we got started. Uh, you noticed some differences between virtual participation as well as in-person participation. And that in-person component is really important to this community of runners. Yes, it is. And, uh, well, I think the, the virtual races and folks out there that don't know what a virtual race is, is, is where you sign up for a race, but you run it on your own uh, and so forth. And that was fine during the pandemic and so forth, but what's, there's many missing elements of that, and it's the experience. It's the experience of being around thousands of other runners and walkers, the entertainment piece, the theming piece. And so uh, experience is a key role, and, and I know a lot of businesses use this term experience, but I am gonna go back to Disney. Uh, 25 years ago, when I was working for the Disney company, if you were to ask anybody that worked for the Disney company, whether they worked in custodial, whether they worked for a hotel, a theme park, if you were to ask them what experience, what business are you in, everyone would reply, we're in the experience business. And uh, now I know, again, a lot of businesses use it, but it's true. It doesn't even matter whether you're selling construction equipment. You're in the experience business to make sure that your buyer has a good experience. And so a virtual serve their purpose, but in-person is the way to go to, to uh, create those experiences you want. And, and one more question just about experience and everything I've seen about the marathon is talked about BMW, uh, the, the BMW that you're giving away at the event. So talk about that, because yeah. that's a pretty cool prize to walk away with after you've run, a Dallas Mar at the, you've run the BMW Dallas Marathon. It is, and uh, again, we're very thankful um, that BMW and the five dealerships in the Dallas-Fort Worth area have been so supportive of our event. Um, and the activations that they do throughout the weekend are super. So this activation is, is the best yet. And that is they're going to be uh, giving away one lucky runner via drawing that will be drawn at the start line on Sunday morning of the marathon is going to walk away with a special edition 2021 BMW Sports Coupe. And uh, again, it's just a, a super asset that BMW has brought to the table. And there is a lot of uh, word out there. So Monica, you could literally sign up for the 5K and be walking away with a 2021 Time to clean the BMW. garage <laughs> out. Time to clean, uh, uh, clean the other side of the garage out, Paul. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> before, so, before we let you go, um, you know, I know you're always looking long term and adding different things to, to marathon over over time. Uh, and I've kind of seen where, where it's come from and grown over the past few years. What's long term bucket list for you? What, what, what would you be focusing on? Yeah, uh, Monica, I think uh, 
I think there's an opportunity with where we fall into the sports calendar of Dallas between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Uh, I think one of the directions we're going to go after the 50th is potentially retheme the weekend to be really holiday themed. And it may be something like the BMW Dallas Holiday Running Festival that's inclusive of eight to 10 events, but is really themed towards the holidays. Uh, we host all the races. We have a beautiful start and finish line, quite frankly, the most elaborate in the country. And the city puts up uh, almost a 50-foot-high Christmas tree right next to our start line. And so we need to leverage the holiday season. I'd like to really think about, right now, we have about 50% of our participation is ladies, 50% is men. Quite frankly, the running industry is 60% ladies, 40% men. And so I'd love to also theme more about the holiday season. Hey, ladies, bring your friends and family to Dallas for the weekend. What better place to do holiday shopping than Dallas and all the other amenities we have that represent the holiday season? So as we move forward, I want it to be totally more, even more family inclusive, but also from generating an economic impact is how do we differentiate ourselves, become truly holiday themed that people all throughout the country, quite frankly, say you want a special race experience, go down to Dallas the second week of December. They've got this blowout holiday theme event and you're just going to have a great experience so um that and then again we're going to continue to grow kids run dallas the more kids we get engaged the more we're going to do for this community and so those are the kind of the two key visions moving forward well paul i really thank you for joining us i, I absolutely uh, appreciate our partnership that we have uh on a yearly basis and look forward to being out there to support you. Maybe not running the 5k, but, uh, looking to being out there and supporting you and your staff and, uh, hopefully in a successful event. Um, people can still sign up. They can still sign up. They can go to rundallas.com and, um, and sign up and run a race and win the BMW. <laughs> okay. Well, everyone, we look forward to celebrating with Paul and his team the 50th anniversary of the BMW Dallas Marathon, December 10th through 12th. And now over to Rachel. Dallas is known for its big wins when it comes to sporting events, whether it be Final Fours, Winter Classics, Pro Drafts, or even international soccer matches. Dallas sets the standard. And now it's time for our biggest win yet. We want the 2026 World Cup. The Dallas Sports Commission is working hard to bring the World Cup back to our great city, and we need your help. Head over to DallasWorldCup2026.com to sign the pledge to bring it back. Be sure to follow us on all social media at World Cup Dallas to stay up to date on all things 2026 World Cup. Welcome back to Mic Drop. We are pleased to welcome our next guest, Grant Moise, president and publisher at the Dallas Morning News. He is truly a newsman, started working in television news in his teenage years, and has held almost every job in the newspaper business. So many accomplishments we will talk about here in a few minutes, but he may not know this, but he is our 100th guest on the mic drop. That calls for some applause. Grant, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Oh my gosh, thanks for having me, Angela. This is, uh, I'll tell you what though, I. After just following up on Paul, I think I'm just uh, I'm going to have to sign up for the marathon because I want the BMW. I want the BMW <laughs> too. So you're going to have some competition. I don't know. I don't know that I can do a full marathon, but the 5K. 5K I I mean, 
if you can qualify with just the five. If I have to finish the marathon, then I won't qualify. But if all I have to do is start, I think I've got a chance. I think we can even walk a 5K, you know, and still register. So we might be safe there. There you go. There you go. Well, great. We appreciate your time this morning. Love all the things you're doing over at the Dallas Morning News. And I want to talk with you about the state of the newspaper publishing broadly. How are you guys planning for the future? Are we getting to a point where digital only is the inevitable path? Um, boy, it's a great question. It's a conversation that we have uh, here around the uh, office frequently. Um, you know, there's such an irony right now, I would say, to start with, Angela, about the state of, of the industry. Um, we have never had audiences in the 136-year history of the Dallas Morning News as big as we've just had the past 12 months. Um, it, it's it's fascinating to me. We, we've averaged uh, almost 11 million people a month reading our content. You know, if you could go back to the good old days financially, call it the 80s, uh, maybe the early 90s, uh, when, as people like to say, the newspaper business was printing money. I mean, we had audiences that were a fraction of that size. You know, so it's really kind of a dynamic time uh, to be in this business, to watch the transformation of the platform. And even the transformation of the way that we are creating content, publishing content um, digitally, just finding all the different ways to connect with audiences, um, it, it, it's what makes it fun right now. You know, I mean, there are some people who just wish it was the good old days and uh, we had the, the kind of print audiences we once, once did. But um, frankly, I think we're operating in this business at the most fascinating time that we may ever see because the transition from a print past to a digital future um, is at times frustrating, but you know, I, I know my team just thinks it's a lot of fun. I would agree with you. You know, I have a journalism background as well. I'm fascinated to see how audiences are consuming content. Now you say 11 million people uh, consuming Dallas morning news content. That's amazing. What other positive signs are you seeing of growth uh, at the DMN? Um, subscriptions. I mean, the, the pandemic is fascinating to me. I mean, one of the things, Angela, even though we're doing it, I'm doing them virtually. Um, when I go, when I speak to a group of, let's say, college students or graduate students, um, or anyone basically under the age of 30, um, and I, you, if I would have asked them three years ago, how many of you are consuming local news? I bet maybe 10 to 20 percent would raise their hand. Um, then if I had asked the question back then, how many of you know who Clay Jenkins is, I bet maybe 10% of them might've raised their hand. But now when I do it and I say, are you consuming your local, local news? And do you know who Clay Jenkins is? It's 95 to 100% of every room um, that we're talking to. And look, we all hate this pandemic. This pandemic has been awful of what it's, what's happened to society, the deaths, the sickness. Um, but I think my team has taken the responsibility because of how many people know they've got to be engaged in their local community. Do I have to wear a mask at a restaurant today? Do I not have to? Is it different in Collin County than Dallas County? What's happened to our subscription business alone, Angela, we're seeing the greatest growth in subscriptions uh, over the past 12 months that we've seen in 13 years. And so um, I, I don't like the way it has happened to remind people of why local news and information is important. 
Um, but uh, but look, it's happened. It's the reality of the world that we're living in. And uh, we feel fortunate to be able to provide reliable news and information to a community that needs it now, especially during a pandemic, arguably maybe more now than ever. So Grant, I know that Sports Day reach and platform is very, very extensive. Uh, what role does sports coverage play in your overall planning? Yeah, oh boy, Monica, it's a good, it's a good question. Sports is, sports is huge. I mean, sports for us, um, when, when you look at where we're getting audiences, news is number one on dallasnews.com. Number two is business, but it's really two and three. Business and sports are, are kind of tied. It, it, during, a, during football season, it, it's not even a competition. Right now, Cowboys, we're seeing uh, about almost 3 million people a month consuming Cowboys content, not just here in the DFW area, but I mean, we're getting, we're seeing them coming out of the UK and Australia. I mean, people want to read Cowboys coverage from all over the globe, um, but sports is big. Sports is important. Um, you know, we have had an award-winning uh, sports team. One of the greatest uh, awards in sports journalism is called the Triple Crown. Uh, we have won the Triple Crown, almost dominated it for almost two decades. Um, and, uh, but at the same time, I mean, the awards are nice, but I, I always tell our team, you know, our award and reward comes from audiences wanting to consume what we write. Um, and look, it doesn't hurt that the Cowboys are, uh, you know, are four and one right now, a uh, little, little bit better than, uh, when we're, when we're struggling. Yeah. I think the Cowboys have su surprised a lot of people, uh, coming back, turning around from last season to this season so quickly. So hopefully they can continue that, uh, you know, one of the kind of new, I guess, sports segments uh, has been esports over. And I think even on our side, on the sports tourism and sports commission side, uh, and locally, some people are like, I don't understand esports, but um, we, we know it's here to stay. We know it's growing and, and, and uh, kind of where some of the value is on the esports side rather than maybe traditional uh, types of sports. Do you think your, your coverage has resulted in younger digital subscribers there at the Dallas Morning News? We're seeing a younger audience definitely come to us. I'll tell you what, it is not a, a, a significant subscription generator. Um, we've, what we've tried to do is take the Dallas Fuel as an example. I mean, we've tried to cover the local team. And we said, let's approach this no differently than we're going to cover the Mavs or the Rangers or SMU or, I mean, we're, we're covering it through the lens of the local team. Um, it's been, we're always testing things, Monica. I mean, just saying, okay, well, what sticks? How can we be more appealing to a broader audience? Broader might be age. Broader might be um, uh, different demographic groups that historically have not uh, trusted us as a source of news and information. Esports is one um, that has been a very interesting test. Um, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I almost didn't know what it was three years ago. I sat down with Ken Hirsch, I studied his investment into the local teams, um, and then I really started getting my head around Twitch. Um, for those of you, I, I'm assuming most people on this podcast know what Twitch is, but for an, a, an aging guy like me, um, I didn't know at the time. But I mean, these Twitch audiences that are watching esports on the Twitch platform, they're significantly larger than people that are filling AT&T Stadium. Um, they're significantly larger than people filling the American Airlines Center. 
have we seen that kind of a benefit? Um, unfortunately, no, Monica, but you know what? We're having fun with it and we're just trying to learn and trying to see how it can be additive. And look, if someone who's you know, 18 years old can come to dallasnews.com for the first time and maybe if they're just connecting with us on esports, my hope is that you know, in the next five to 10 years, they'll say, you know what? Now I wanna understand what's happening at City Hall or what's happening you know, you know, what restaurants is Sarah Blaskovich telling me you're opening tomorrow? So sports is kind of an interesting one. And frankly, what we're testing right now is how much more will they consume even outside of esports? That's awesome. Way to get them in with that content that they want and serve them up some other stuff that maybe they didn't even know that they needed. I know local is such an important part of what you do at the Dallas Morning News. I love that campaign that you ran, um, or, or maybe you're still running Local Journalism Matters. Um, you've recently welcomed a new editor, uh, Catrice Hardy. Uh, heard really great things about her and wondering what kind of fresh perspectives you're expecting her to bring to the team. Oh, gosh. I mean, I, I could go on about her, Angela, for quite a while. It took me 10 months uh, to find the right executive editor for the morning news. I mean, that, it is not an easy um, search to go find someone who you're really asking to steward 175 journalists, lead them in a direction that is kind of digitally, um, I mean, advanced, cutting edge, um, while also understanding that the print audience who is very much uh, committed to a routine and their expectations of what they want from the print paper. Um, I think Catrice has brought a couple things to us that really stood out to me most. One is, and most importantly, she is an amazing leader. She's an amazing leader of people. People want to follow her. She has a track record of doing it in South Carolina, a track record of doing it uh, in Indianapolis. Um, and, and the first time I met her, I was like, boy, I get it. I, I just get it. I, I can see wanting to kind of follow her in whatever direction uh, she would take the company in the newsroom. Um, I, I think there's also a piece of her approach that I love, though, which is she looks at it from a consumer standpoint. You know, uh, and look, I've been in journalism a long time. You know, I mean, as you said in the opening, I, I started in a TV station when I was 15 years old. So I've been doing this for over 30 years. What I what is I struggled with over the years is sometimes we write what we think people want to know or what we think people need to know. Um, now again, some of what we need to write is what you need to know that you may not have known. But Catrice is a student of, but what do people want? What is the data telling us that people want? What is trending? Do they they want breaking news? They want to know what's trending. They spend so much time on social media that if I don't know what's happening in um, Lake Highlands last night that was going viral on Facebook or viral on TikTok or viral on Instagram, then we're out of touch with a younger generation. And boy, Catrice is all over that. I, you know, I mean, she's got a big theme of breaking and trending, breaking and trending, because she said, you know, we wish people wanted to come in and read those larger enterprise stories, but where we're going to gain their trust is knowing we know what's happening in your neighborhood and we know what's happening in this city. And then ultimately, we hope that they'll want to unpack that a bit and understand maybe the more complex enterprise stories. But uh, look, I'm so thrilled she's here. She's two months in and we can already feel the difference she's making. That's awesome. 
great to see her in that role and look forward to what she brings to the table. Grant, thank you for joining us and for everything you're doing for local journalism here in our community. We really appreciate it. And we are going to be right back with our next guest, one of the Dallasites 101 founders. But first, we'll hear from Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. The Perot Museum of Nature and Science plays a vital role in preparing the most talented and diverse STEM workforce of tomorrow right here in Dallas. Become a member today and enjoy free admission and other valuable benefits to support this nonprofit landmark. Visit perotmuseum.org for more information. Welcome back to the Mic Drop Podcast. We are here with our now 101st guest on the Mic Drop, and we won't keep counting all the guests down for you, but I felt it was significant to say this is the 101st guest because we are here with one half of the Dallasites 101, Lily Kramlich-Taylor, co-founder of The Place to Discover What is Going On in Dallas. Lily, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. It is really cool to have you here um, because you are an entrepreneur, very um, young entrepreneur um, who's had amazing success. You and um, your friend Kara Shannon started Dallasites 101 as an Instagram handle, um, kind of as a hobby. Tell us what happened from there and what's going on now at Dallasites 101. Yes, well, thank you for the kind intro. Yeah, we, you know, six years ago, or I guess seven years ago, we moved to Dallas and we began meeting other transplants who weren't really loving the city, didn't really know what to do. So we just very innocently started posting on Instagram. We really had no intention or even idea that it would become what it is now. But um, I think probably in both of us, there's always been, you know, um, one, a passion for telling, you know, providing people information and, you know, helping small businesses and connecting both residents and businesses, but then also this passion for entrepreneurialism. And so I think those two combined just kind of catapulted our, um, you know, Instagram into becoming a business like it is today. And we did leave our jobs after three years. Um, and now we are actually a team of, I think, 13, 12, 13. I, it's kind of crazy that at this point we're like losing count for how many, um, people on our team we now have, which is really exciting. Um, we've launched in Austin as well. We also manage, um, we now have a kind of like a pseudo agency where we manage other businesses, Instagrams. And then Kara on our team, um, my business partner, Kara, she really takes the lead on our events while I really take the lead on our content. Well, Lily, I have to ask a question. Uh, I, I sometimes, well, not this semester, but typically teach at SMU, uh, as an adjunct yeah. professor, and uh, it's very inspirational of, of what you have done and what you have created, but I would love to know what, what I guess, um, advice would you give to students now who, you know, maybe they don't know what they want to do, but, uh, you know, they're into social media, and, and, you know, what advice would you give them? Yeah, I think, um, you know, follow your passion, and, um, you know, I think it, it takes a lot of time. I've seen some of my friends who have, you know, passion projects and side hustles, um, kind of not take the right steps to building them into a career or, you know, something that's profitable and actually can become a business. And I have friends who have, who have, you know, taken the time and the dedication to do so. It is a lot of work, but it's so rewarding at the end of the day to be able to do something that you truly love. And social media is such a great platform to build anything, whether you are building a blog or building a business. Um, it's just social media has become such an amazing tool to reach people. 
I'm interested, Lily, how did you take that leap? You said this was this was a hobby, turned into a business. You employ so many people you can't keep track. I think a lot of times with entrepreneurship, it's it's scary to go out there and say, hey, I'm going to do this full time. You, you both quit your jobs um, to pursue this. So what was that like in that moment where you just said, I'm really going to do this? And and what advice would you have for other people trying to pursue that type of a dream? Yeah, I think for us, it came, you know, in part, we did get lucky that it came naturally. Um, you know, we were able to work in the evenings, you know, outside of our jobs to really spend time building it up. And I think we it was something that we love so much and that we were so passionate about that it was easy for us to find time to put into, kind of going back to what I last said, you know, you really have to put time into um, building up your passion to get to that, you know, kind of business end point. Um, but yeah, we really, you know, I think it just got to the point, we were both in our jobs for four years, it had been four years, and we were probably both ready for a career move on our own ends. And then it was, it was kind of like, why not try this? You know, we're ready to go do something else. We're ready to take the next step in our careers. We have this business that's, you know, become, we have this Instagram that's become a business. Let's try it out. Let's see what happens. And, you know, we've, been really fortunate with you know being able to continue to grow that and grow our team well I know Monica is too busy to be downloading anything right now I mean she, she is working like 24 7 we ask our, all of our guests uh, our last guests what they are downloading right now so wonder if you have anything you're watching you're listening to uh that you want to share with the viewers that you uh, listeners that you really uh, are enjoying yes so I've been watching made on Netflix um I think it just came out maybe earlier this month or last month. And it is, I mean, it is so hard to watch, but it is also addicting to watch. It is just an amazingly beautiful story about a woman, you know, getting herself out of homelessness and domestic violence and super harrowing really puts life into perspective and I, everyone should definitely watch it. Angela, I have to say, I did watch episode one of Made over the weekend. I haven't progressed through the full season yet, but uh, when she brought it up, I'm like, oh, I did actually yeah. uh, watch uh, the first episode. And I agree with you. Great story as the little that I have watched so far. Awesome. Marcus, did you want to jump in and say what you've been downloading? You had a pretty good one the other day. You know, I've I've switched gears since then, and I'm gonna I'm gonna recommend everybody to go ahead and tune into the WNBA Finals. Um, game two was last night. Um, Mercury and uh, the Chicago Sky uh, series tied at one, one and one. And so, you know, game three is on Friday, so it'll be it'll be a good good series and a change of um, you know scenery for most sports fans. So definitely head over to the WNBA Finals this this weekend. All right, I'm going to throw in a plug for Insecure, the last season, season five. It's actually not even out yet, but it'll be right after the FIFA visit. And so I feel like it'll be a, a time where you could just kind of sit back and relax. It's, it's, it's a funny show to me on HBO. Uh, so that's my download. Lily, thank you so much for joining. If you could let everybody know where to find you, obviously Dallas Lights 101 on Instagram. And you all have a website as well, too. Yes. Yeah. We have a website, dallasites101.com. We also have a newsletter that you can subscribe to on our website. We do have a TikTok. We're getting a little bit more into TikTok right now. Um, and then of course, Instagram is, you know, where most people follow us. Awesome. If you need to know what to do in Dallas, check out Dallasites101. Lily, thanks for joining us.
And on behalf of Monica Paul, the Dallas Sports Commission, thanks to our guests, Paul Lambert, Grant Moise, and Lily Kramlich-Taylor. Thanks to our showrunner, Tony Fay, the Mic Drop production team, Danielle Whitelaw, Marcus Carr of Tony Fay PR. Until next time, thank you for listening.